Hello! Welcome to Tay to Z, where we chat about every Taylor Swift song in alphabetical order. I'm Devin. And I'm Gab, and we will be your hosts on this journey. In our last episode, we talked about Look What You Made Me Do from Reputation. Uh, look what you made me do. <laughs> and we hope you all follow us on Instagram and saw uh, Devin's Look What You Made Me Do dance break. Yeah, hoo hoo. Yeehaw. <laughs> Today, we are discussing the song Love Story from Fearless Taylor's version. Love Story is the third track on Fearless Taylor's version. Fearless was originally released on November 11th, 2008, and Love Story was released as the lead single September 15th, 2008. Taylor's version was released on April 9th, 2021, and Taylor's version was released as a single lyric video on February 12th, 2021. This song was solely written by Taylor. Yeah, lead single for both the original and Taylor's version. Makes sense. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Love Story is Taylor's most played song, with a total of 490 times played live over the course of her career. She has played it on each of her tours, Fearless Speak Now, Red 1989, and Reputation, every single night. (laughs) She has played it at countless benefits, bashes, balls, and award shows. (laughs) On the Reputation tour, she mashed it up with Style and You Belong With Me, which is still one of my favorite medleys of hers that she's ever done. She played it in the City of Lover concert in Paris, and the last time she played it live was in the medley where she won Artist of the Decade at the AMAs in 2019. So basically, if you've seen her live, you have seen her play Love Story. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. (laughs) This is arguably Taylor's most famous song. It went 10 times platinum in Australia, 8 times platinum in the US, and 2 times platinum in the UK and Canada. Wow. Yeah, among like charting like gold and everything and on all the country charts and a lot of accolades a lot of country awards yes did this win song of the year uh, at the the grammys no oh no at the cmt's gotcha gotcha so devin Mm. what do you think about love story so pretty sure this is the song that cemented Taylor Swift into pop culture. Yeah, I think Pretty so. sure. Because before I even knew who Taylor Swift really was, I knew this song. Mm-hmm. It was on the radio in, like, every store in the country. Granted, I was just in Vermont, so <laughs> I don't really know if I knew that it was at least in the stores that I was in yes. in Vermont. <laughs> you heard it everywhere you went, and that is just pop culture i think right there Mm -hmm. like if it is in the zeitgeist if it is everywhere that you go it is pretty wild yeah and means that she had become unbelievably famous and that this song was humongous yeah i know we keep talking about iconic intros on this podcast but seriously this intro is so famous Mm -hmm. (laughs) that banjo yeah you immediately know it's love story like and then it, it's really hard to hear, but it's really neat. There's a little fiddle picking as well in the beginning there. But it's like this really high picking sound oh. that is kind of... It's really pretty cool. cool. Hearing this for the first time was just like so unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Because this was the first Taylor's version thing that we got. Yes. And so <laughs> when when this dropped... When she started singing the When We Were Both Young, When I First Saw You, and it's just like that sultry folklore evermore voice that we had from the previous albums. Mm-hmm. It was just like, like it upped the ante so much yeah. on this song. And the production, 
on this track, what they changed, what they kept the same. It just sounded so good, Mm -hmm. this Taylor's version. And I listened to the original version as well, side by side, and the original version kind of just sounds anemic. It, Mm. It kind of feels like there isn't any, like, power behind her vocals. It feels like there, the production is lacking a little bit. Yeah. It's very, very interesting. And so, like, this, this re-record is just like, it's so, so good. That soul that she found while doing Folklore Nevermore, that, that, like, sultry, like, uh, ethereal vibe yeah. that we've talked about yeah. that she now brings to all of her music in these re-records. It, it's really amazing. And of course, like, has had years and years and years of practice and getting her voice, her vocal chops to, to increase. And yeah, it just sound, it sounds amazing. Yeah, and so like when, when we first heard that, I just sat there with like my mouth open. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> this is so good. It's so, so good. Yeah. Okay, first favorite part of the song for me is on See the Lights, See the Party of the Ball Gowns, when the drum and the bass come in, mm. and you got like the doom, 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 shh, see the lights, see the party of the ball, yes. and then the bass, the boom, 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 boom. <laughs> so it, it's just this great intro there, and I love the slow build of the production up to the chorus. I kind of liken it to, you know how in Avengers Endgame when the heroes are all, like, coming back from the mm-hmm. snap? Yeah. <laughs> and and Captain America is there, and, you know, uh, Falcon is, like, on, on your right. On your, on your, on your left. left. <laughs> the, on your left is the famous line. On, on your left, and, yeah. like, and like slowly and steadily all the heroes are coming back. I feel like the production of this song specifically was introducing or reintroducing all of her band members oh to God. us. I love it. So it's like, oh my god, Amos, here he comes. And like, oh, Paul Sedoni, what's up? And, <laughs> and like, oh, Caitlin, oh my god, wow, she's singing again. Yeah. You know? So, like, it, it does. It feels like the introduction of each of her band members as well because like this was this was the first taylor's version thing we got and the instruments do come in layers they come in layers yeah you get like the banjo and the fiddle at the beginning and the guitar and then you get the drummer and the bass and then you get the vocals in the you know like it's avengers end game (laughs) avengers end game taylor's taylor's avengers yeah (laughs) seriously (laughs) second favorite part is during the second verse when she goes Oh, oh, cause you were Romeo, I was a scarlet letter, so mm. the, uh, oh, before oh, that. Yeah, you love those. So good. <laughs> um, I love the fiddle solo before the bridge, so mm. there's that instrumental, and it's mostly the fiddle that's playing, mm. I, I really like that. Actual favorite part of the song, and I remember I said, holy crap, when she delivered this line in the re-record, when she goes at the end of the bridge, and that said... You love that part. It, everybody... You have to, you have to agree with me on this one. It is so good. It is the <laughs> best part of the song. And the difference between this version and the original version is just like, it's not comparable. Like you can't even, I don't even know, like this is adult Taylor. Mm-hmm, like, and mm-hmm. she's, she is flirting and she's going, and I said, you know, like she, <laughs> she has like the little winky face. Like, she is flirting with Romeo. Oh, yeah. You know, here, like, and she is, you know, this isn't like a, a juvenile um, romance. Mm-hmm. This is like a, hey, we're going to get down to business romance. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, like, and I said, so she's got her sultry evermore voice on that. And it is, I could just listen to that on repeat. And you have. And I have. He has, guys. <laughs> I have. 
I then love the build in mm-hmm. this part of the chorus where she switches it up, you know, and I said, Romeo, save me. I've been feeling so alone. Mm-hmm. I keep, and, the, and you know how the drums keep doom, 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 yeah, doom, doom, yeah, doom, yeah. doom. And then it's also a key change on the marry me, Juliet. Yeah. So it creates like this really forward mo- momentum. And like, basically, whenever you see it live, everybody just starts jumping and yeah. jumping and jumping and screaming along with her. And it, it's a really cool moment. And key change changes are super cool in that way and then the the epicness of and that's all i really know she sounds she nails that on this one i remember the two of us when we heard that for the first time we're just like yeah she nailed that (laughs) she sounds so good she it's just it's so good and and it was just it was so cool for me as a new swifty to have this release yeah you know, as the lead single for her Fearless Taylor's version. Mm-hmm. And just how exciting that was. Yeah. And I get it. Like, I so get everybody's journey with her from, from the get-go. Like, Fearless then became mine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was just, like, it was so, so cool. And this song is, like, so different for me now. Mm-hmm. Back from hearing it in the stores when I was, you know, in high school. Yeah. To now, it, it's a completely different song for me. I love it. It's yeah. ju- it, it's amazing, and there's a reason why it's her most famous song. Exactly. Not, not only is it in the pop culture and like zeitgeist, and every no- everybody knows love story. It's actually a good song. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it's true. You know. Yeah. So yeah, Gab, what do you like about this song? I completely agree that this was the song that launched Taylor out of just like country stardom and into mainstream stardom, and it's an iconic song. And I do. I think she'll be playing it live her whole career. Yeah. You know, it's 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 for sure her most well-known song. Yeah. I said it earlier, but I think it makes complete sense that this was the first re-recorded song that Taylor released, mm-hmm. all because of all those reasons. I also just love how, with Taylor's version, she stuck so much to the original, but, like, as you were saying, like, her voice is so much stronger now. It's so much more fleshed out, mm-hmm. like, the production. It's just, like, fuller which is really cool also based on how taylor's version was marketed you know with the release of like the lyric video with the fan photos and everything it kind of feels like she's singing it directly to the fans for sure and especially the line you were talking about we were both young when i first saw you and so the song also takes on this like emotional nostalgia feel Mm. for me now too which is i think really cool yeah and you know i just agree with like what you said about the intro being so iconic with that banjo coming in And then the song just builds so expertly with each section. Like, it's just, it's a really good pop song. I guess it's technically a country song, but it's a great pop song, too. Yeah. And I just love the simplicity that she's just telling, like, a classic love story, but changing the ending to give Romeo and Juliet a happy ending. Like, it's so, like, perfect and something a teenage girl, of course, would come up with, but it works so well. For sure. And she tells the story so well. And then, obviously, that part with the Marry Me Juliet is so triumphant, and the Mm. build is so fantastic, and, like, all you want to do is jump up and down and scream sing to it. Like, it's the best. And so, the song is just super catchy and a bop, but as you said, it's all so well written. Yeah. Like, everyone knows it, and it's such a hit, but it's a good song, too, which I think is really important. Yeah. Devin, do you relate to Love Story? Yeah, this is the quintessential love song. Mm -hmm. You know, of course, I relate to it in terms of my relationship with you. Mm. So we were both young when I first saw you. It feels like we were bebés when we first met. That's true. I mean, we were 24, the whole world was ahead of us. COVID wasn't even in the near future. (laughs) What? 
What a time to be alive. The reputation tour hadn't even happened yet. There were so many things that yeah. that hadn't happened yet. We were babies. We were babies. Yeah. And you know, you know, I close my eyes and the flashback starts. I'm standing there. Mm. You know, and and it's true. It's like this song is like, you know, could have been played at our wedding. I feel like it is played at a lot of weddings. Yeah, I'm sure. For sure. You know, yeah. love story, hello. But we didn't. We did Up from uh, Sing Street as our song. Oh, you mean like Processional? Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to anybody who knows Sing Street. Woo! <laughs> Fantastic movie. So good. Great show that hopefully one day will be on Broadway. It's so good. The pandemic stopped it Ugh, short, sadly. The worst. So uh, that is how I relate. Do you relate? As you all know, I am a hopeless romantic, and I always have been. And this song was just everything that rom-com obsessed me wanted at age 16, like, you know, I just love a good love story. I love a good love overcoming obstacles mm. story. I always love the idea of, you know, romantic proposal. Mm. And I love the part of the song when it goes into the Marry Me Juliet. Like, when I was, like, 16, I was like, oh, my God, he's proposing. <laughs> like, I was just, like, such a romantic about it. And, like, you know, Taylor and I are contemporaries, so she took all the love stories and media that we were consuming in our youth, and there was, like, a lot. Like, that was, like, I feel like the heyday of, like, Disney and rom-coms. Yes. And she just made this perfect love song. So this song just makes me think of like being super idealistic and hoping for love one day. Yeah. You know, because at that age I hadn't experienced it yet. And so just being like, maybe one day I'll find my Romeo. <laughs> and I did. One day. Yeah. The music video for Love Story was directed by Trey Fanjoy, who also worked with Taylor on the Tim McGraw, Teardrops on My Guitar, Our Song, Picture to Burn, and White Horse music videos. That makes sense. Yeah, they're very similar, right? A lot yeah. of similar vibes. Yeah. The video features model, actor, singer Justin Gaston as Taylor's love interest. The present day scenes were filmed at Cumberland University in Lebanon, Tennessee, while the Romeo and Juliet scenes were shot at Castle Glynn in mm. Arrington, Tennessee. Oh. Which I've seen some of like uh, people we follow on Instagram have been there and taken pictures oh, there. Cool. It's gorgeous castle yeah it looks it so Devin, what do you think about the love story music video well okay now now it totally makes sense because it's it has that like warm wash yeah, that yeah. the other music videos have yeah it does it's like that for lack of a better word country music warm wash yeah it's like <laughs> from all, a music video it's not sepia but it's sepia like no. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, it's so, like, a, a haze over yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, like a softness. Softness, mm, yeah. Mm. So obviously, this music video is also super iconic. Mm -hmm. The storytelling, the costumes, the dancing. Mm -hmm. She looks amazing. Her crush looks amazing. If any of you on Patreon listen to our music video rankings, yeah. one of my criteria was if the love interest had good hair or not. yes. And I said that this guy does. Yeah. You very know, of the era. Very of the Hera. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Thank you. Very Zac Efron, High School Musical-esque type hair, mm. uh, which was totally in at the time. You know, big head of hair. Yeah. Lots of hair. Yeah. So. Also reminiscent of like the old timey vibes too. Yes. Of the yeah. old timey vibes yeah. as well, which, <laughs> you know, this was basically Bridgerton before Bridgerton. Yeah. This music video could be in Bridgerton, like what what happened in you know the, yeah, like the, dancing the dancing and the ball, yeah. but 
to contemporary music. Mm-hmm. Very, very Bridgerton-esque. Yeah, it's got Regency-era vibes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. This music video has 600 million views on it, yeah. which is wild. Yeah. But then, like, Blank Space has over 2 billion, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, it's interesting that this song came out so far ahead, but then we think, like, she, st- she still hadn't even hit her, nearly yeah, her her, her, peak. her peak yet and i mean with 1989 obviously that's where her peak basically was mm-hmm. with pop yeah and yet we still consider this song her most famous song and yet yeah it's interesting right right so and it's not even like it was her biggest hit i mean it charted a ton but it didn't like hit number one at all things it just was like it just was played everywhere everywhere so everyone knew it and then it also has had like a lot of lasting power because it can cross genres. It's very, you know, it's it can be on pop, it can be on country, it's on like adult contemporary radio. Like yeah. so I think it just has that staying power. Yeah. I also do think that when the song was released, uh, I think the music video was released in 2009 and YouTube was not that big yet. Yeah, it only been around for like what, 5 years? Yeah. Something like that. So it wasn't as much of a thing. Yeah. But the video did win a lot of awards at, like, the country CMT awards and things like that. Yeah. CMA. But it, it's fine. I think in my rankings, I put it kind of, like, halfway in in terms of her 30-plus music videos. Yeah. It, it, it's a fine music video. It's, yeah. it's fun. How about you? What do you think of it? I think it's a really fun music video. It's cute. It's romantic. I always love, you know, the castle vibes, the period costumes, you know. I think the fairy tale setting was exactly right for this song. It's funny, though, whenever I think of the music video, I never remember the modern framing device. Yeah. Like, I, I've never remembered that. And so even, like, today watching it, it surprised me that it's, like, kind of like a daydream. Yeah, she's, like, I call it. Yeah, and it's kind of also how she, like, wrote the song, too, almost, as this, like, daydream, like, you know, like, taking, like, a shred of something real and making a fictionalized story and based on a love that she wants, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I think it's funny because I never think of the framing device. But I love all the formal dancing, the costumes. It's kind of like a blend. It's not just Regency. It's also got like kind of like medievalish vibes, mm. and I feel like it's got like Pride and Prejudice vibes mm-hmm. too. Like he looks very Mister Darcy esque, yeah, um, with his like frills and mutton chops. The mutton chops, <laughs> but yeah, I I really like it. Young me liked it, but I remember my one thing was he doesn't get down on one knee anywhere in the video, anywhere. and I'm like, why? That was such a weird directing choice for me, and it still is. Like, I, especially as, you know, romantic young Gab, I just wanted him to get down on one knee. Yeah. Because that's the lyric. Because <laughs> in, the, in the final verse, like, she's, they're running towards each other in that field at night, right? Well, not at night. I think it's... In the day? Yeah, in the day at the final <laughs> they're running, verse. They're running they're towards at, each other. Night is when, like, I sneak out in the garden to see mm. you. Yeah. But they're running towards each other, and then he, like, they, they, like, kind of, like, t- the camera turns around. And they're them just, like, in a moment you know, staring moment, at each other but, in love. But it's saying he got down on one knee and said, marry me, Juliet. Yeah. yeah. You're right. You know, so Teen Gab really was all about the proposals. Sure. Adult Gab is all about the proposals. Sure. I love love. But yeah, it's a fun music video. It's not, like, one of my favorites of hers, like, in hindsight. Like, I yeah. think it does fall around the middle of the pack because it's narrative but not completely narrative, which we all know I love. Yeah. I also love a costume change. And I understand that, like, budget is a thing. <laughs> but, like, I want to see Taylor in, a, like, a million of these, like, era-type dresses, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's a silly thing, but yeah. it's true. Yeah, the budget was probably a lot smaller back then. Yes. <laughs> Yes, and they, you know, rented out this castle. Um, yeah. But yeah, she looks amazing in it. It's super fun and nostalgic. Yeah. Yeah. Now we get to the segment of... Gossip. 
hidden message in Love Story is, Someday I'll find this. Hmm. Yeah, which is sweet. I'm looking for that great love. I think she did. I think she finally did, yeah. About the song, in an interview with the Los Angeles Times in October 2008, Taylor said, I was going through a situation like that where I could relate. I used to be in high school where you see a boyfriend every day. Then I was in a situation where it wasn't so easy for me, and I wrote this song because I could relate to the whole Romeo and Juliet thing. I was really inspired by that story, except for the ending. Hmm. I feel like they had such promise, and they were so crazy for each other. And if that had just gone a little bit differently, it could have been the best love story ever told. Hmm. And it is one of the best love stories ever told, but it's a tragedy. I thought, why can't you... Make it a happy ending and put a key change in the song and turn it into a marriage proposal. Hey, there you go. (laughs) I love that. I think that's great. That's so good. (laughs) She also said, This is a song I wrote when I was dating a guy who wasn't exactly the popular choice. His situation was a little complicated, but I didn't care. I started this song with the line, This love is difficult, but it's real. When I wrote the ending to this song, I felt like it was the ending every girl wants to go with her love story. It's the ending that I want. You want a guy who doesn't care what anyone thinks, what anyone says. He just says, marry me, Juliet. I love you, and that's all I really know. Mm. It's sort of told in a character kind of thing, where it's Romeo and Juliet, and it's not me saying that I'm getting married or anything, but I think it's fun to write about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, super cute. Yeah. So funny that, like, in interviews, she had to, like, make that clear. Yeah, like, like, oh, 18. I'm not getting married. Don't worry about me. No, no, no. Some people think this song could be about Martin Johnson from Boys Like Girls, who Taylor wrote Two is Better Than One with. The timeline might be slightly off. It was a little hard for me figuring out exactly mm. when each song was written. Mm-hmm. And it's unclear if these two ever dated. But it also seems like Taylor never dated the person who inspired this song. Mm. So there's a chance. This was really the only kind of theory that really kind of came up. Yeah. In addition to the song referencing Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, the lyrics also reference Nathaniel Hawthorne's 1850 novel, The Scarlet Letter. Of course. Both books Taylor had probably read in school around that time because I had Mm -hmm. read them both in school. So I think that kind of is funny how like literature is starting to make its way into her music, but also like stuff she's reading in school still is. I think it's cute. Taylor first teased Love Story, Taylor's version, in December 2020 when a snippet was featured in a Match.com advertisement directed by and starring Ryan Reynolds as the devil. Right. It's a super funny ad, so you guys should definitely look it up I on YouTube. Totally Remember forgot that? about that. I think we were in Vermont. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, that was so good. And we're both like, what? And we're is like, this? We're like, love story. It's love story in the ad. Is this the re-record? It was so cool, and people were so excited. It was so good. And it's also just like this really funny um ad it's about great. like 2020 being just such a horrible the worst year, year yeah. yeah love story taylor's version debuted at the top of the country chart it was the second song to reach number one on the country chart twice in separate iterations by the same artist mm. the only other one being dolly parton's i will always love you mm. which first hit in june 1974 and then again eight years later when she recorded a second version for the film the best little whorehouse in texas oh so good company to be with absolutely dolly parton when taylor announced the release of fearless taylor's version and that love story was coming out that night she said When I think back on the Fearless album and all that you turned it into, a completely involuntary smile creeps across my face. This was the musical era in which so many inside jokes were created between us. 
So many hugs exchanged and hands touched, so many unbreakable bonds formed. So before I say anything else, let me just say that it was a real honor to get to be a teenager alongside you. Love that. I love that too. It makes me really emotional. Yeah. You know? And I think it's really cool with like the lyric video coming out with pictures of her with her fans and Uh stuff. It's really special just thinking about that. So good. And like just like the, the, the bookends of the we were both young when I first saw you. It's perfect. Yep. I love it. So Devin, mm. I think we already know this, but what's your favorite line <laughs> in Love Story? My favorite line is, and I said. <laughs> That's it. I think you need to give the listeners the timestamp. So the timestamp, if anybody wants to check it out, is at three minutes. <laughs> it is so good. Yes. And like, and play them side by side. Play the original version and then play Taylor's version. Like the difference, it's intense. <laughs> it's amazing. Best line in the whole, best best moment in the whole song. <laughs> Gab, what's your favorite line? My favorite line is, this love is difficult, but it's real. Mm. And I just love the way she sings it. Just the way she puts the word difficult in the song. This love is difficult. Like, I love it. But it's real. Yeah. I think it's so great. And I also love that, like, that line is kind of what inspired the song. Yeah. I think that's cool, I didn't too. know that. That's yeah. good. Okay, Dev. Mm. From one to ten, loves that are difficult but real. <laughs> I'm so obvious. I just put my favorite line yeah. as the ranking. Always. I didn't even realize I did that. Always. Um, how many loves that are difficult but real would you give Love Story? I think I will give Love Story Eight. Okay. Loves that are difficult but real. Okay. I yeah, I think I mean I love it. It's a fantastic song. Taylor's version definitely bumped it up a couple notches for me. I mm-hmm. think that if this was still the original version, it would be a lower number than mm-hmm. eight. The production's amazing, she sounds amazing, and and yeah, I don't there's not really too much wrong with it. Yeah. Just that, you know, like I have some fave faves and stand songs that are above it. So yeah. <laughs> Gab from one to ten loves they're difficult but real. What do you give the song? This one's really hard to rank because like I, the song is one of like her best songs, one of her hits, but it's not one of my favorites mm-hmm. of her songs. Like I don't know if it's in my top fifty. Yeah. You know? So I'm I'm gonna give it nine loves that are difficult but real okay because i think it's a really well-written song i think there's a reason it's such a big hit yeah i just don't listen to it as often because it is so played sure but i still love it yeah you know yeah so i think that's good it's a good rating yeah it's pretty good and now it's time for the segment of swifty spotlight well, on today's Swifty Spotlight, we have one of our patrons from Patreon here, Suzanne Swartz. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. <laughs> Suzanne, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you like to do for fun? Yeah, of course. I am 33, so I'm a year older than Taylor, actually mm-hmm. a year and a month. I live in Texas in a college town and I work at said university and I'm a health educator. So I do a lot of fun things on campus, trying to get college students to make healthier choices in life. You know, we got some, we get some wins and we get some not so much wins sometimes, but, but it's a lot of fun. And I have lived in Texas most of my life. Actually, I don't know why I said that all of my life, but I, for fun, I'm really into plants and I like to take care of my yard. I bought a house two, almost two years ago and 
I like taking care of my house. Like it's exhausting, but I like, I like being in my home and doing things, but I also like I like to cook and bake and I sew. We're actually in my sewing room right now. Oh. I don't know, nobody hears this will be able to see that, but like, I like doing yard work and like I have roses that I'm obsessed with and I like to read. And then now that it's summertime, we'll be hopefully spending plenty of time outside and even though it's like super hot down here time outside mostly hopefully time by bodies of water like the pool the river the beach stuff like that we are not plant people we want to be but we can't keep them alive (laughs) mostly me (laughs) you need a snake plant like i start everybody off with snake plants that's what we've heard Mm. yeah very hard to kill (laughs) so okay maybe maybe we'll hop on that yeah, if I could figure out how to send plants, I would send y'all some snake plants because mine are very prolific. They like make snake plant babies constantly. And so every about year and a half or so, I like propagate them and like I just have to take, I call it the matriarch, the original plant that my grandmother gave me. And I like take it out of the pot and I you like snap off all the like new growth and then put them in its own pot and they like just go wild. I have a friend who I've given snake plants to and she's very, she gets really upset every year when I like, redo like repot all my plants because the snake plants that I've given her for some reason haven't reproduced oh no no. (laughs) but they're still alive they are still alive she's a very good like plant mom yeah I don't know why they're not making babies for (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. that's what we gotta try yeah I've killed three plants that we've had so far so far some of them are hard some of them are hard hey yeah. <laughs> and like both our both our mothers have green thumbs. Yeah, and neither of us do. <laughs> so we were we were not gifted with with a green thumb. We maybe. Yeah. And, you know, that's why we do podcasts yeah. instead of instead of gardening. <laughs> Play up your strengths. Yeah. Okay, so when did you become a Swifty and do you remember the first Taylor Swift song that you heard? I'm going to answer the second part of that question first. The first Taylor Swift song I ever heard was actually Tim McGraw. I remember exactly actually where I was when I like first like registered in my brain it's like a core memory now like I was a senior in high school in 2006 and I was driving my my dad still has this 1986 f-150 old truck it's a standard like transmission like three on the tree like kind of thing and I was driving his truck I remember the intersection I was in in my hometown and like I like heard it on the radio and was like okay this is a new song this is cool great and then and you know at the time like of course it was 2006 so we didn't really have streaming services and so also as a senior in high school I didn't have a job yet had no like source of money to go like buy cds or anything like that and so I didn't listen to the rest of the debut album until I moved into my freshman dorm in the fall of 2007 um, because my roommate, I don't even know how we started talking about Taylor Swift, but she was like, oh, like here, you should listen to the rest of it and let me copy it onto my computer. And so, which I like only feel sort of bad about right now, just because like, we know her music is stolen and like, she hasn't redone debut yet. And I, that's the only one of her albums that I don't have a physical CD for still someday. Maybe I'll find one in a thrift store, but, but I don't know really when I like would have like qualified myself as a Swifty. Like I remember being really excited when Fearless came out and cause I was still in college and had ordered it on, I don't, 
I ordered it online. I don't know why. Probably because it was a new thing and you could do that. And then when I like speak now came out two years later, like I was in a different dorm as an RA and my, one of my fellow RA friends was also a big Swifty, but she somehow got the deluxe version from Target and I didn't oh. know that was a thing yet. So like, <laughs> I feel like I've grown in my Swiftiness since 2006, like it's just intensified. There are times where I sit back and I'm like, you are 33 years old and you have a little bit of an obsession, but then I'm like, whatever, like what you like. And (laughs) absolutely. Exactly. If it brings you joy. Yeah. I mean, and it, and it, yes, it does. Like Taylor Swift, the whole like Swifty fandom, like, yes. And so, yeah. And now it's just part of who I am, like I actually dressed his reputation era Taylor for Halloween this year. Yes. I really wanted an excuse to wear sequin bodysuit and fish. I love it. Love it. <laughs> I had a friend's birthday party in February and she did one of those PowerPoint parties where you like give a random PowerPoint that's supposed to be funny on a like random topic or something like that. I've heard of that. Yeah. Like everybody was trying to figure out what I wanted to do mine on and everybody's like, like Taylor's back. And I'm like, mm, I don't want to do that because everybody's expecting that. And so what I ended up doing was all my friends as Taylor Swift's ex-boyfriends. <laughs> nice. And so then like I went through like the whole, like I found, I don't know, some magazine article that like gave a timeline of all the different guys and like went through all of them and assigned a different friend to them but like before I revealed like would talk about like you know her dating history with those people even if it was really like short and like the songs that were inspired by that person (laughs) supposedly and and I mean honestly like referred to some of the material you guys have put out to be able to yes (laughs) gossip coming to use so yeah and then now here we are like on a Taylor Swift podcast. <laughs> yeah, I love so it. Cool. <laughs> have you have you ever seen her live? Yes. Oh, so this is a good story too. Um, the first time I ever saw her live was the Speak Now tour in Arlington, Texas. I actually won tickets on the radio in Dallas to go see that show. Oh, cool. And it was one of those contests where like you have to be like the 96 caller or whatever. And my coworker and I like the whole like couple of weeks that they were running this contest, like, cause they would do it a couple of times a day for like two weeks straight. Mm-hmm. We had gotten like real good at like programming the phones at work. So then <laughs> we could, we only had to press like two buttons. And the second we heard the like busy signal, we'd like hang up and we'd dial like, it. And like, oh, and then when it like would go and we had a whole system one day, like luckily it rang when like the time that we actually like won it rang in her she had an office and I was like out in an open space at my desk and her phone was the one that like was the winning line and it's a good thing because like when the DJ answered and was like you're going to Taylor we were like ah and like screamed yeah. so loud and like all the people around were like what was happening <laughs> um, and that's the first show that I got to see and I've seen every tour since then oh, wow amazing reputation twice actually my brother's also a not quite the level of Swifty that I am, but also very much into Taylor. And at, for the Reputation tour, when they first announced it, he was like transitioning between like undergrad and grad school, like when, you know, during that summer, like when a lot of the shows were. And so he was like, I don't really know like where I'll be. And, but we knew he had like two weeks off at one point that May. And so we picked a show that was during that two weeks and went so we went to Denver to see her wow May 2017 
And that was really cool because it was an open air. It was one of the open air concerts on that tour. So it was fun. And I'm really bummed that Loverfest didn't happen because had tickets to Loverfest East. Like we were, we had an Airbnb book to go to Boston. Oh, wow. Yeah. Of course. It didn't happen. Yeah. Yes. Rest Uh, in pieces. Loverfest. uh, (laughs) It will happen. Something's going to happen. I know. I was really thinking this was going to be a week. We were going to hear like an announcement about. Oh my gosh. Like. I, the number of people too that like asked me like what's happening in like Taylor Swift like spheres like who are not part of the sphere themselves but are yeah. like wait is something happening with Taylor Swift today and I'm like we hope so Friday <laughs> the thirteenth and then nothing happens and then you have to be like no just paint me in clown makeup <laughs> yep. I, yep so crazy. Mm. So what does Taylor's music mean to you? And you've kind of talked about this a little bit already, but do you have any other instances where Taylor has really gotten you through something or what does her music mean for you? I think this is one of like the only questions that you sent that I was like, I don't really know how I answer this. A lot of different things, I think. Like, I've, I think for me, just Taylor Swift as a person, it, it's hard to say that somebody I've never met who is this super huge mega star like means a lot to me but seeing like and having her produce music throughout like my lifetime and the fact that like we're very similar ages and even though like I I don't directly relate to a lot of her songs and that like you know I've never been in a long-term committed relationship and so like some of that I can't directly relate to but I've been in situations where my heart's been broken by other people you know and then I've been in situations where I've been extremely happy so being able to relate in those different ways. And I mean, we kind of talked earlier about like being a Swifty like is one of the things that like brings me joy. And like, Mm -hmm. it is like, I like, I went through a really difficult situation um, this spring and like February and March were just not great months. And I was just like, okay, I could really use Taylor Swift to like Mm. release something like a re-record or a new album or like, I don't know, something. And I mean, I didn't have it, but it's okay. (laughs) I listened to Renegade quite a bit during that. Okay. Yeah. That sounds so good. So good. It's it's a really good song. (laughs) It's a really good song. And I also think just like watching her career and how she's grown as a person and like, I think to listening to you guys and like, especially Gab, you talked during Gossip Gab about like some of the different like context behind the songs, not even just necessarily what the song itself is about, but what was happening in the world and in her life when she wrote different things, like puts a lot of things into perspective and it's a way to like access art and literature in a way that does, it is not like typical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is a tough question we've heard. As of right now, what are your top five Taylor songs? Okay, so yeah, I've been thinking about this for a while. And I'm going to take a, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what the last Swifty Spotlight did. Um, he started from the bottom. Mm-hmm. Sure. Five. Um, so number five, number five, four, and three actually probably would be interchangeable. But okay. um, I wish you would mm-hmm. from 1989. So, yeah. good. So, so good. So good. So good. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I say that now, I'm like, oh, I think of Devin and Gab. Um, <laughs> I love it. Number four would be Message in a Bottle from oh, um, yes. Red Taylor's so version from the bottle. It's such a bottle. Yeah. The, the bobbiest of bobs. It just makes me so happy. Number three is Afterglow from Lover. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I actually had a realization when I was trying to think of my top five because 
I've been saying that Lover's my favorite album, but then mm. I was like, maybe Lover's my favorite era in 1989 is my favorite album. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm questioning my whole identity. <laughs> then That's totally two, okay to have a favorite right? era like, it, album. It's going to fluctuate. I've never tried to like actually rank the albums other than my actual it's favorite. It's so hard. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I refuse to be part of that narrative. Um, <laughs> I'm like, pick. Number two is Exile featuring Bon Iver from Folklore. And then number one is Last story yeah which is today's episode so why do you love love story so 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 much it's funny i mean because and i think as a swifty too sometimes i feel a little bit like oh your favorite song is this major single like mm. but i mean it's it's so good and it was probably like one of the songs i think that like really got me into taylor swift and i like remember like being in college like at, we went to dance halls here in Texas, like, you know, like Howie Boots, the whole nine yards. And I remember dancing with a guy to this song and like, he didn't, we were just friends and he didn't like mean anything to me other than that. But like, it just, it was fun. And like the music video is not my like favorite of all of hers. I actually also like, look what you made me do. It's my favorite video, but love story. Just, I think it. Is like the epitome of like fantasy, like not fantasy, but like fairy tale. And I'm very much a hopeless romantic. And like I, while I I hate Romeo and Juliet, the like Shakespeare play, I really love like references to Romeo and Juliet and like songs and books and movies and things like that. Because it's real, it is still really romantic. I think that the, the story and like some of the context of Romeo and Juliet, the play, like in this song, like it makes for it makes for good music and good, good storytelling. And then, um, like she references like the Scarlet Letter in the song as well. And that's one of my favorite novels. I don't know. I just it's a really pretty song too. Um, I think one of the things that I really appreciate about the podcast as well is Devin, you continually point out different like things that you can hear in the music and with love story several years ago I found um the piano guys did a cover of love story um and then they at the end kind of molded it with Viva La, or Viva La Vida from by Coldplay and it's gore it's gorgeous and I eventually like also found and I haven't found it recently but a video of the pianist um John Schmidt I think his name is talking about recording that and the song and like his daughter was really into it and he was talking about the key change in the last chorus Uh where like marry me Julia and I'm just like oh it's so great like you know like it finally happened and I think this is also funny what I'm about to tell you guys because your last switchy spotlight also had a tattoo of their favorite song ah. on their arm. And ah. which you also have. Oh my God. I, I love it. I got tired of waiting. I, I love, love it. Whose signature is it? That's my handwriting. Oh my God. Oh, so cool. good. <laughs> Thank you. And <laughs> I actually just got it in March, but uh, because I planned to get a tattoo with some friends and they like, even though they already, this was my first tattoo as well. Mm. They already have tattoos in I was like, we're going to go. Like, I know exactly what we're getting. Like, we're getting matching tattoos. I know where I want to put it. And they're just like kind of dragging their feet about like scheduling it and the things. Um, Cause we all live in, well, I live in a different city than they do. And one day I was just like, getting tired of waiting. And then like, I was like, oh, wait, that's kind of a line from Love Story. And that's my favorite Taylor Swift song. Yeah. And then like, I thought about it for a while because I'm like, mm, do I really want to like tattoo like 
my impatience on my <laughs> for forever. And then I decided, yes, um, yeah. because there's several layers to it. Like the thing with the friends and then the fact that it's a line from my favorite song. And then as a single 33 year old person, like I get tired of waiting for people to like choose me and I get tired of waiting for people to, or for like good things to happen or for like fun things to happen. And so like, I'll buy a house or I'll go on a trip or I'll like, I get tired of waiting. So yeah. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. You can make it, make it happen for yourself. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, thank you. I also would like to say too that I really like, I didn't, I was very scared the first time I heard the Elvira remix of Love Story Mm -hmm. because I'm like, "Mm, no, like it's, this is my song, like leave it alone. (laughs) But I actually really do like the the remix. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fun one. It's a, it's a bop. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so Suzanne, thank you so much for being on Swifty Spotlight. Do you have a fan account? And if you do, uh, where can listeners find you? I don't have one. I I used to have an anonymous Swifty Tumblr. Oh. Um, not super active on it anymore. It, it was really like peak, like intro to lover season when I was trying to like get in her circle. Yeah, um, yeah. But but I'm not super active on it anymore. So cool. Anything else you want to share with our listeners? I don't think so. I'm just really excited to be here. I really love the podcast and I'm so happy to be able to like support you guys because like you all are part of what brings me joy in the Taylor Swift like Mm -hmm. universe. And um, I actually had a dream. I don't know if it was last night or the night before that like I got on this and Devin was like, actually, we want you to talk about the entire song throughout the whole episode. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, any indication as to being excited. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for being a patron and a listener. Like it's, it's just so cool for us to get to like actually talk to and meet listeners. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, This has been a really fun. fun thing. Yeah. Listen along with us. You can check us out on Instagram at Tata Z Podcast and give us all your thoughts. Were you young when Taylor first saw you? (laughs) Ridiculous. Were you there waiting for Love Story, Taylor's version, to be released? Uh, We want to hear the stories. It wasn't that long ago. I think everyone was listening and a fan at that time because our podcast started even right before that. So please tell us all your thoughts. And remember, you can find exclusive bonus content on our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast or the link in our bio or podcast description. And be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this right now. And thank you so much to our newest patron, Franzi Knotts. Ooh, thank, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, next episode, we'll be covering <gasps> Lover from Lover. Yay! Come hang with us. Uh, Devin and I'm Gab. This has been Tate to Z. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.